Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. I'm still Chad Russell. That's Kurt Satter. We're here with today with Leonard Moisen, uh, the author of the book Leadership is Covenant. And we're talking about leadership. We're talking about what it is to be enter into covenant. And we're also talking about the difference between covenants and contracts and transactions. And uh, there's a whole lot of distinctions there. And it's funny when you, you mentioned a couple books that I've read and people in the business and leadership world love reading. I love reading a book. I'm reading a book right now called Give and Take by Adam Grant. And basically what he's saying <laughs> is something that Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And he writes a whole book on one sentence that Jesus said. And we're like, well, we knew that already. But he just expands on that more. So we're talking more today about leadership with Leonard. Well, Len, so uh, this whole covenant thing, um, leadership is covenant. And one of the principles that you pull out of your book is it, it's leadership that inspires others. Yeah. Talk, talk with us about that. You know, it, it's interesting. As I studied this whole concept of covenant, I was trying to define it. And I ultimately got it down to a definition whereas a, a covenant is a relationship of mutual respect, commitment, um, and, and trust where two or more people are willingly bound together by a common and ethical purpose. And that purpose is bigger and more important than any one individual, and it provides meaning and hope for everyone involved. That's a covenant, okay? And that's a definition that's in my book. What's interesting about covenant, if you think about the whole concept of meaning and hope, um, I've got a chapter in there uh, that says, commit in a way that inspires. And I think when you're inspiring, you're inspiring not only performance, but you're also inspiring by giving people a sense of meaning and hope. And I was thinking about the Olympics, and, and uh, it's interesting. My uh, son was a swimmer, and a pretty good swimmer. Uh, he had the, and he actually had the opportunity to swim against Michael Phelps a couple of times. And uh, he lost. <laughs> <laughs> Who, Michael Phelps or your son? No, my son. Okay, just want to uh, clarify that. Uh, but, but one of the things that impressed, so I took an a, a much more active interest in, in Michael Phelps. And uh, I, I remember at the Olympics, he was 19 years old. His first Olympics he made at 15, and then he was 19. And at 19 years old, the Americans, do you know, have never lost the medley relay. They've never lost that race, ever. And so Michael Phelps was, of course, uh, swam the butterfly leg in, in the medley relay. And it starts with backstroke, um, and, and then it goes to, uh, I think, butterfly, then breaststroke, then freestyle. Um, so Michael Phelps was the world record holder, and he just barely beat out Ian Crocker. And when it came uh, to the finals, right before the finals, uh, someone was talking to Michael Phelps, and, and he said, well, well, what are you gonna do tonight? Are you excited about this? And he said, yes, I am. He said, but I'm not going to swim. Now, his coach didn't know this, and nobody knew that. Michael Phelps had made a decision. And he said, I'm going to have Ian Crocker swim. He said, why? He said, because Ian Crocker has better relay starts than I do. And, of course, it's now history, but Ian Crocker, they interviewed Ian Crocker, and they said to Ian Crocker, what did you think when he said that? He said, I can't tell you how motivated I was to go in and and do exactly what he said I, I could do. And so sure enough, the relay came. The Americans won by, by a ridiculous, by like four seconds, which is huge in swimming. But Ian Crocker swam the fastest leg of butterfly that had ever been swam. That's committing 
in a way that inspires others. Michael Phelps committed to the team because the team was more important than his individual interests. And that's what I'm talking about. When you commit in that way, when you even pay a price to advance the greater purpose, that's leadership, and that's leadership that inspires. Hi, okay, so Len, let's, let's bring that home. Let's talk about how do we do that in the context of marriage? How, how, how do we inspire in such a way so that our spouse can, can catapult to a whole other level? Well, you know, a lot of people think, well, what can I do that's huge and can make a big difference? <laughs> and oftentimes it's not anything other than simple things. For example, we just had my son was in from Miami, and we had the whole family, my son and my daughter and her kids, and we had, like, it was crazy and, <laughs> and, and messy. Uh, so I just commenced uh, uh, to begin cleaning up everything. You know, while my wife was sitting and talking and she had prepared all the food. And so I figured, you know, it's my turn to clean up. And that impressed my wife. She thanked me several times, you know. that. But that's simple stuff that we can do. But it's a commitment that no one had to tell me to clean up. I just decided it was probably the best thing to do. And my wife was pretty tired. And so I did it. Those are simple things that you can do to serve your wife, to serve your family. Uh, and, and to make a difference. It's really to, th- to think, uh, I mean, going back to Jesus' words, to think more of others. Yes, exactly right. Than ourselves. Unfortunately, I'm not that way all the time. But, uh, but when I am that way, I know that I'm doing the right thing. And what, and what you do is then you, you, you're, you are, you're raising Gigi up to a whole nother level. And I'm also teaching my kids. And I think I'm continuing to teach my kids, even though they're in their 30s, and, and now Dan has just turned 40. But I'm, I'm, I'm demonstrating also to my kids that service is really important. And our kids never really stop learning. Uh, you know, they, 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 they're continuing to learn from us. No, that's exactly we, right. We, we can model and influence them. And when we sacrifice for our wife, when we serve them, like you just mentioned, um, it, it, it really, it, it not only blesses our marriage, but it, it's, 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 um, it rolls over into our kids, our grandkids, and even our great-grandkids. Yeah. And, and you know, I have, a, I have a chapter in here that, that basically is understanding your core values and aligning behavior with those values. And when, when CEOs or heads of organizations are able to align their values with the values of the corporation, it makes a huge difference, and that also inspires. But oftentimes, there's a double standard. You know, well, those values apply to everybody else, but they don't apply to me. And when you have double standards, people see that. They see the hypocrisy in that. Um, there was a corporation that had four core values, respect, integrity, communication, and excellence. Now, those are great core values. I mean, would you agree with that? Those are awesome. Well, I invested in that company, okay, and it turned out to be Enron. Okay, what happened there? Well, they violated the core values. Those were the core values for everybody else, but they weren't the core values for the senior executives of Enron Corporation, and ultimately it folded. So you've got to align your behavior. If you believe in these things and you believe that they apply, 
and you believe that they're going to advance your corporation or your organization, you've got to also align your behavior with those values. And when you compromise that, you compromise the integrity of the organization. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the organization of the family. How, how, give, give us a practical example of how we can violate that. We, we say to our kids one thing, and yet, but, but we, we, that doesn't apply to me because I'm the, I'm the dad. Well, I'll give you a good example. I, I grew up in a, in a different faith tradition where drinking was no big deal, okay? Well, there were so many kids getting themselves into trouble as a result of alcohol that my wife and I decided to abstain simply because I didn't want to have to explain that double standard to my kids. So th- that's one example that we – now, I don't have any – issues with drinking or not drinking. Scripture is clear that we shouldn't be drunk, but I didn't want to have to explain that double standard to my kids, so I just abstained. Mm. Um, And, you know, other families have different ideas about that, um, but in my case, I felt a conviction just not to do it. You know, when we think about, uh, when we think about connecting with our kids and and communicating to our kids, hey, lying is wrong. But then when we, we, we make an exception over here of just shading the truth a little bit, they, they can detect that. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, and that's what you're talking about. Well, it, before I was a Christian, I learned to use certain cuss words for all eight parts of speech. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but it, but it was important for me to restrain my speech after I became a believer, because again, our kids learn through observation. Don't do what I say, not what I do. Well, effectively kids will do what we do. So it's very important to understand that you have a stewardship responsibility for your kids and for teaching them. And as you teach them, you're going to teach them more by what you do than what you say. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's too convicting. Um, we need to uh, we need to go to the next segment. Chad. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Actually, I'm, I'm I'm telling on myself because I've had plenty of failures in that area as well. But I think it's important also to go to your kids when you make a mistake and say, "I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I was wrong." And a lot of parents, and particularly dads aren't willing to do that. And I don't know where we got this tough guy stuff. Because ultimately, when you say that to kids, they understand that not only are you being vulnerable, but you're being a good guy by going and admitting you're wrong. You, well, you have just elevated your leadership to a whole nother level when you walked up to your kids and you say, guys, daddy was wrong, I sinned, and I need you to forgive me. I'm, I'm apologizing, and, I, and there's no excuse. There's no little but. It, there's no if. There's no. It's I, I'm going to own this completely. And and God can give you the grace to be able to do that. Mm. I mean, I, for a long time in my life, I was a tough guy. I, I, I never admitted I was wrong. And where did that get me? Nowhere. <laughs> Especially at home. We're going to take a break. Come back with our fourth and final segment. And uh, we want to thank you all for listening. We thank LNN's Credit Union and Bright Star Home Care for their sponsorship of our show. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Leonard Moisen talking about leadership and Leadership is Covenant, his book. Thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio. 
Welcome back to our fourth and unfortunately final segment of Solid Steps Radio today. We're finishing up here, but hey, we're never really done. If you go to our podcast, you can go to SoundCloud, you can go to iTunes, you can go to Facebook, and just type in Solid Steps Radio. Listen to all of our shows commercial free, or you can go to uh, furtherstillministries.org and click on the mic, and that'll take you to all of those uh, those locations. And uh, hey, if you're listening, by the way, if you say, hey, what can we do to help in the show? We always say, pass this along, put it on your Facebook page, and just pass it along, email it to someone. Uh, but one thing you can do that takes about 30 seconds, if you're on iTunes, is leave a review. If you go into and just click review and just say, hey, I really enjoy the show, guys do great. Whatever it is, just leave a good positive review for us. That helps us get the word out a little bit more through the podcast world. So, okay, Lynn, uh, we're we're talking about this whole leadership thing. And I love, uh, you mentioned to me, leaders are responsible for creating culture. And I I love that because in our homes, in our marriages, many times we, we can kind of make excuses, but we are responsible to create a culture of love and of sacrifice and of servanthood and all that. Um, but talk about that a little bit. You know, in, in the home, I think oftentimes, um, and uh, Chad said something earlier uh, when we were off the air about, you create a culture whether you understand it or not, whether you want to or not, you create a culture. And so it's important to be intentional about that culture. And culture is about, is about more than just you know certain behaviors. Culture is understanding your core values and aligning behavior with those core values. It was interesting, I, I, I've got a couple of examples. I, I talked with Bobby Richardson, uh, who was former five-time Golden Glover uh, uh, for the New York Yankees. And uh, in his day, they traveled, in his day, they traveled uh, by, uh, by train. And he said whenever there was a rookie around who was doing something inappropriate, one of the older guys on the team say, hey, this is the Yankees, we don't do it that way, we do it this way. And so he was responsible, he was taking responsibility for teaching other people in the organization. And when you have that kind of an organization that starts with the CEO who creates an intentional culture, then other people pick that up and teach younger folks. That same thing happens in the family as well. It was interesting, I I also had a great opportunity to interview John Wooden, and uh, uh, that was a fun interview. But I, I want to read something to you from John Wooden, and then I want to read something else to you from one of his, one of his players. Um, he said, I wanted them to be considerate of each other, talking about his players. For example, to my wife and me, our players were an extension of our own family. I've had players often refer to my wife at times as just kind of like their mother. And I wanted them to feel that. I wanted them close with each other, and I wanted them to know that I was concerned about them as I would be my own children and their future, not just as basketball players. And that's really a key here, isn't it? Mm. He said, they wouldn't know this when they first came to UCLA, but I hope that they would perceive it as time went by. And you know, he's had a lot of great players, but what all the players seem to talk about is what a great leader he was and how important he was in their lives. Listen to this from Bill Walton. One of his players. John Wooden gave us the necessary tools to overcome the adversity and obstacles that he knew from the beginning would always be in our way. It wasn't until we left UCLA and ran into the adversity that he told us would be there that it started to dawn on me just how special we had it. I thank John Wooden every day 
for all of his selfless gifts, his lessons, his time, his vision, and especially his patience. Mm. And so here you've got one of the greatest coaches, if not arguably the greatest coach ever, and his players are not talking about his X's and O's, his players are talking about his relational tendencies with them. And that's what a covenant's about. Wow. I mean, you talking about creating a culture of camaraderie, of respect, of honoring one another, of teamwork, of love, of discipline. That was, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, well, well, actually, covenants are not absent of discipline, quite the contrary. What happened, though, I, another person I, I have uh, had the good pleasure of interviewing is a guy named Philip Howard, who was a trial lawyer in New York City, and he wrote a, a bestseller called The Death of Common Sense in, in the 90s. And one of the things Philip Howard said is that in the legal profession, we have dumbing things down to the point where there is no basis of understanding with each other. We will get somebody off knowing that they're wrong, but get them off on a technicality and the law is failed. And so what happens is we lose the rule of law by being so legalistic uh, that on, in terms of technicalities, even if somebody is guilty, we figure out ways to get them off. And I think it's the same thing in the family. Families are not about technicalities. They're not about legalism. They're about an understanding of what's right, what's right, what's wrong, and holding each other accountable. One of the chapters I have in here mm. is imposing upon yourself uh, a sense of, of personal accountability. And I think that's absolutely crucial because when I visit with CEOs, one of the things I look for are their accountability structures. What do you have around you that holds you accountable for the values of a corporation, for your integrity, for all of the things that are important to advance not only the corporation, but to build a culture where people enjoy coming to work? So, okay, translate that over into the home. Well, how, how, how does a dad, how does a husband, um, hold himself accountable. How, how do we do that? Well, I, I think there are accountability structures in, in my own life, for example. My wife holds me accountable, and I'm transparent with my wife. In other words, if something happens to me during the course of the day, even if I have a temptation, I discuss those with my wife. Mm-hmm. In addition, I have an accountability partner who will tell me when I'm out of line. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> we have a great relationship and we're good friends. And, and when I hear him saying something to his wife, I'll, I'll, I'll say, <laughs> you know, cut it, cut it. <laughs> you know. And he says the same thing to me. Well, it's important to have people like that in your life who can tell you when it's time to cut it, when, when, when you're out of line. And, and my wife is really good about that in a, in a very positive way. She's a great encourager, uh, but so are some of my friends. So surrounding yourself with solid people who are willing to tell you the truth and you're going, hey, dude, what you said over there was completely out of line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and initially it irritates me when I hear that. <laughs> but, but, you know, when I've had time to reflect on it, uh, you know, yes. they're right. Yes. That's good stuff. That's creating a culture of, well, of accountability, of, of mutual respect. Well, here's, and, here's another thing, Kurt. You've got to also allow your kids to do the same thing. 
they've got to call you on stuff. When, when, when you're living a double standard or you do something that's inappropriate, your kids have to be free and feel comfortable and safe enough to be able to confront you as well. Really? And believe me, my kids do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I, you're exactly right. That, that, is, uh, th- that, that is leadership. But you know what, what else it is? It's freeing. You don't have to be the person in charge all the time. You don't have to be the person who's right all the time. Even though you've got control of your family, you're also empowering your family to be successful, to become, as I said earlier, that transformational component where Jesus transformed his disciples into leaders. And all of those, think about it, all of those disciples, all of those apostles, with the exception of one, died for the cause. Why is that? Because they were empowered by Jesus to lead. Mm, that's, that's rich stuff. It, I, I mean, it goes, again, uh, what Philippians 2 says, Paul saying, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And then he goes on to say, have this mind in you which was in Christ Jesus who being the very equal to God did not consider equality something to be grasped, but instead he humbled himself and became a man. And not only did did he become obedient, but he became obedient to the point of death and even death on the cross, which was the most heinous form of death. That's good stuff. That is leadership. And that's why uh, in, in the, the basics of, of your book, it's, 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 it's following Jesus. It's following Jesus' model, his pattern, his lifestyle. And when we do that, we are creating a culture within our home, within our community, within our work world, that we are, we're, we're a leader that, that can be followed. Absolutely. And if my book has any wisdom in it, it all comes from Jesus, ultimately, <laughs> and his mouth. And by the way, it's available, shameless plug, on Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for coming in. I love talking about leadership because um, we just all need to be challenged. Uh, I really appreciate you coming in. Would you pray for us guys as we close today? Sure. Our Father and our God, we thank you that we can come before you and offer our requests. God, your word tells us to approach the throne boldly. So we approach you boldly on behalf of the men who are listening to this, who may be listening to this. God, I pray that this conversation today will have been an encouragement to them. I pray that even men who are way out of line with this concept of covenant will take these principles and begin to apply them. Mm. Ultimately, God, you are the one who charges us, who gives us stewardship responsibilities for, for our families, for our companies, for the people around us. And I pray that we'll raise up more and more covenant leaders to contrast what happens in the general society. I pray for that. I pray, God, that your peace will descend upon families. I pray that your peace will descend upon organizations. And I pray that in all of that, you'll be exalted. Mm. Now we pray that you'll bless us, that you'll guide us, that you'll direct us. And the words of Isaiah are very important here, God, particularly for men. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not afraid, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Uphold those families and uphold those leaders for we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Mm, amen. Thank you, Lynn. Thank Leader, you. Leadership is a Covenant, Leading People and Living Life More Effectively by Leonard Moisen. It can be found on Amazon.com. And uh, pick up that book and more importantly, apply it in your life. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. We're